Hey you, good afternoon and welcome to the Richie Allen Show. It's five o'clock here in Salford. It's Scorchio Etc. It is here. Not el- not everywhere, apparently, but it is here. I'm Richie Allen. Two very, very interesting gentlemen joining me today. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you, as always, for finding the programme. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Oh, I'm taking no mess and now I'm taking no mess. And listen, David Curtin, the founder and the leader of the Heritage Party, will be on the program with me this hour. I really like David. Uh, he's always great value, always got something thought-provoking to say. We're going to basically be chatting about some of the new stories but some of the biggest stories this week. We'll also talk about the uh, Heritage Parties conference, which is coming up really soon too. So David, at this hour. Later on, the journalist and filmmaker Matt Landman, that's Matt Landman, will be on the programme live from Stateside. Say it, Richie, Stateside, yes. Matt will be talking about wildfires. He's got some interesting theories around wildfires, and he's uh, always good value too. So Matt Landman, David Curtin, the guests on the Richie Allen Show this Thursday. It is uh, the 7th of September and we've got three or four more days of this weather. We winch, I complain about it. I did complain in a little video I popped online earlier on only because my, our, not my, I don't own anything. Our home is very, very warm. The building is over 100 years old and they built these houses to keep the heat in. And it's very warm here. And uh, the only place that's got any aircon is studio where I sit right now. So I'm happy now. But if I feel sorry and do spare a thought for the future missus. She's working downstairs and it is really, really warm. And there isn't any aircon down there. Not yet anyway. We'll work on that. Something I'll be chatting with David about is what to do with prisoners. Um, because Wandsworth Prison, which is in London, isn't it? is the subject of, well, a lot of scrutiny today because a man called Daniel Khalife escaped from it yesterday. He managed to attach himself to the undercarriage of a delivery van. He was working in the kitchen in Wandsworth. He was facing terror charges, whatever that means. He was uh, accused of collecting information which might be useful to an enemy. They're saying he was gathering information for Iran and that he left fake bombs at a military base while he served in the army. He was going to be on trial in November, but he's absconded. Love those words. He's absconded, Jesus. Don't they check the vehicles coming in both ways to prisons, I would have imagined. We've all seen the movies. But haven't we? Prison films or films made about prisons. Fiction. And the guy has got the mirror on the end of a long stick and they stick it underneath the vehicles coming in. But apparently... Uh, They didn't. So the media is making an enormous amount out of this today. And uh, it's brought up, of course, what goes on in prisons. Because Wandsworth Prison is apparently a kip. It's supposed to have about 900 people in there. But it's got uh, nearly 1,600. And a guy who served time for tax fraud, God love him. That's another issue, by the way. Tax fraud. Should we be putting people in jail for tax fraud? That's another issue entirely. But he went on the BBC this morning and told Nicky Campbell, I don't have the audio to hand. 
But he said it's so badly run there that um, inmates spend 23 out of every 24 hours uh, pretty much in their cells. And at one point recently, the, the, the prison had six had six prison officers on duty one night because they were so short-staffed. Anyway, we'll talk about some of this with David when he when he joins me uh, pretty soon at uh, half past the hour or thereabouts, just before that, maybe. Now, racism. We're all racist, apparently. No, no, I, I don't want to be flippant about this stuff. I'm flippant about it too often, so I'll, I'll treat it with a little bit of seriousness today. Um, Kehinde Andrews. I think must be a pretty bright fella. He's very well-spoken. And he is a professor at the University of Birmingham. And he's written some books about racism, right? Including a book that is uh, just about to come out, or it has just come out. Now, his opponents reckon that he's a bitter, angry man. Um, his ancestors hail from the West Indies. And you'll often see Kehinde Professor Andrews on the telly saying that everything is, in fact, racist. And that people are, in fact, racist. And Britain is a terribly racist place to be. Now, he was on Politics Live today on the BBC. The presenter, Joe Coburn, you will hear her first, and she makes reference to Professor Andrew's new book. Let's talk about Kayindi's book. It's entitled uh, The Psychosis of Whiteness. Now, you will appreciate that that is a pretty provocative maybe damning, maybe offensive uh, title. What do you mean exactly? Well, the point is we need to have a different conversation about race and a conversation which is uncomfortable. So the, the reason I use psychosis, and I do use this to, to trouble, trouble the discussion, is one, because there is a, we are disproportionately more likely as black people, particularly black Caribbean people, to be diagnosed with psychosis, which is a label which gets put onto us. And actually the argument I'm making is that the reason this happens is because the world we have to inhabit, the discussions, whiteness mm -hmm. is a kind of set of ideas. It is so deluded and irrational that it is like talking, it, it is nothing more, it's like a psychosis. And so we actually suffer mental health because we have to deal with a crazy world. Now we deal with a crazy world and we suffer mental health, we being black people, because we have to deal with the psychosis of whiteness. That is thesis, right? Blacks suffer mental health issues because of the psychosis of whiteness. He didn't say the psychosis of white people. You know, people... These days, listening is a skill that... or an art form that seems to have disappeared. I watched the reaction to this today online. A lot of people didn't pick up what he said. He said the psychosis of whiteness, not white people. Anyway, did Joe Coburn... Go on, Joe, ask him for an example. Give us an example. Go on, girl. Well, for example, I come on TV all the time and have discussions about is Britain racist? Although that's a conversation. I hear, I'm sitting here being somebody talk, telling me that West Africans love education as though black Caribbean people don't like education. That was I mean, your so, so one of the examples of the psychosis of whiteness is the fact that he's got to go on television to discuss whether or not Britain is racist. It, it is racist. That's obviously self-evident, according to Professor Andrews. And this is an example of the psychosis of whiteness. Okay, it was certainly not my inference at all. I hear this How did you get time. to it then? If you, in the workplace, there's many stories here in the workplace of having to go through... I mean, I've had personal experiences where you just... <laughs> you can't believe sometimes how bad it is. And so if you talk to anybody who works in these white institutions, mm. they will tell you that having to tiptoe around and having to... Be, what, I have to watch how I am all the time in work because just in case I get seen to be the large, black, aggressive man. This you have to watch all the time in work in a white institution. You have to watch your behaviour, lest you be seen as the large, aggressive black man. Now, I don't think he was speaking about himself, he was speaking generally. I wonder what the faculty at the University of Birmingham make of this. 
this claim. And I will be asking David, I didn't invite David on to speak about racism and we won't spend much time on racism. But is, is that the case, that some black people have to be very, very aware because of the psychosis of whiteness, of how they behave, lest they be uh, seen as the big, mad, aggressive black man? Mm. There's so many ways we have to go through this world uh, because of what I call the psychosis of whiteness. It actually does impact our mental health quite significantly. Wow, so he said it again. We've got to adjust ourselves as we go through the world, black people, because of the psychosis of whiteness. Okay. Now, Joe Coburn, the presenter, will bring in GB News presenter Albi Amancona. Now, Albi himself is a black gentleman. You'll hear from him next. Albi, what's your response to that title, particularly? Because some people would find it striking and strident. Well, they might find it racist, indeed. I would go as far as saying that. I wonder how Kehinde would feel if Joe or Stella or Catherine were to write a book called The Psychosis of Blackness. I'm sure that Kehinde would call it racist, would you? This is a perfect example of equivalence. But would you or not? Throw, throwing in a different word, it doesn't make it equivalent. It's ridiculous. So, if someone was writing a book, you know, and actually, as an actor, if Joe wrote a book called Joe, The Psychosis of Blackness, Blackness, I'd say, what's it about? And then we'd have a discussion. Come on, and if you, you honestly think, calling it racist if you, from the, from honestly, the if you honestly think that the argument I just laid out, that the discussions that we have to go through, that the way that we move we through the world... We weren't talking about the title. No, but this is, this, is the t- this is the argument, right? That actually, and <laughs> having to sit here now, and the response to this, this is, well, just put blackness in the title. What kind of an argument is that? It's not an argument. I My think, point, I think the point, the point where I've done this and had this, had this is to say, well, actually, we can't have a serious conversation about race. This idea is it's a serious, it's got lots, it's, it's academic, it's got lots of references, mm. I'm a professor. And then you, the response you get back is, well, put, put blackness in the title. I actually have a little bit of sympathy for Professor Andrews there. I think your man's response, Alby from GB News, was a tad glib. Just a little bit glib. What about her? He is so boring. I get that. Does he expand Albi from GB News? But because of the title you have put on the book, you are already putting off the majority of the British population who are white. Many white people might look at this book, The Psychosis of Whiteness, and think, this is a racist book. This man thinks white people have psychosis. Well, as I've never said that, it would be an odd thing to pick up, but that's part of the so argument. So what do you, right? you mean they're delusional about? So my argument is not about white people, so it's about whiteness, mm-hmm. the ways that we understand. And anybody, and there's many examples in here of black people having the psychosis of using the psychosis of whiteness. It's about saying how we understand the world. And importantly... But, but isn't the world psychotic? Isn't civilization psychotic? Isn't the human experience as we are living it now in 2023? Isn't it utterly psychotic? I got into this with the great John Waters on the programme the other evening. You know, man having to enslave himself to another man to manufacture a product for that man in order to have enough money to eat and to keep a roof over his head. Civilization is psychotic. I would argue, and I would make a very strong argument, that the world is a lunatic asylum. And that whiteness really doesn't have anything to do with it. Yes, in the Western world, um, whites are the majority. And you could maybe argue white culture is the dominant culture. In Well, you might argue that's changing. And I'm sure there are people coming on this programme who would say it's changing. But isn't, like, isn't it very short-sighted saying whiteness is psychotic? Isn't everything psychotic in 2023? That's a generalisation. But I think you get the picture. We live in a world where the poorest parts of the world today are where black people live, so-called sub-Saharan Africa. The richest parts are where white people live. There is a hierarchy of white supremacy. And I still have to sit here and tell you that racism is, is a, is a, it actually impacts the world today. The same, 40% of young black men in this country are unemployed. 
Like, I can give you all these statistics about mm. race, but somehow we don't understand them and interpret them because it's, you can't have a proper conversation about race. It's eluded. Yeah, he might be right. You probably cannot have a proper conversation about race without whataboutery and silly comments and what have you. Now, what this mo- needs more than anything, this conversation you are listening to, it needs a woke Karen type, I'm being very unfair here, to chime in with a bit of virtue signalling. So I'm going to be labelled misogynistic for this, but I don't care. We need a, a woke Karen to put her foot into this, to, to put her stick her oar in with some virtue signalling. Thank heavens that Labour MP Stella Creasy was on the panel today. And then it just becomes farcical. Stella, what's your response to what you've heard? I mean, you won't have had a chance, I don't think, to read the book. Um, but what well, you've I also heard think it's quite of... telling that Albie's already decided on my behalf that I'd be put off by a title... We live in a society where if we recognise there is systemic racism, we've seen it in the police, we're seeing it in the NHS possibly, there are real challenges that all of us have to be part of addressing, including those of us who carry what you would call white privilege to these debates. So yes, it might make me uncomfortable to read, but it might also challenge me and make me think and help inform the work we do. And isn't that a positive and healthy thing? I mean, she's so lovely, isn't she? I mean, what are you so frightened of? Of ideas that might challenge you? I'm you don't have to agree with them. Stella. So don't protect me, Albie. Don't protect me. Don't protect me, Albie. By 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 insinuating that I would be put off by the title of the book, don't protect me. I'm not let protecting me, him. Let me read think, it and, and learn for myself. Like, for you to be telling me about racism, I think is quite surprising. Look, I've been fine. Yeah, it's farcical. Um, he didn't try to protect anybody. Um, this is what he actually said. Many white people might look at this book, the psychosis of whiteness, and think. This is a racist book. This man thinks white people have psychosis. Many white people might look at the title of the book and they might be put off looking inside it, which is um, pretty sad, really, because the point of writing a book is to get people to read it. That's what he actually said. Stella Creasy is an absolute beauty, isn't she? We'll leave Stella Creasy alone. Look, I'll give you my tuppence worth. Life is harrowing. Life is stressful. And most people don't have any time whatsoever to be racist. Only the farm takes up most of the day and at night I just like a cup of tea. I might be able to devote myself full-time to the old racism. Yeah, I think racism is on the way out. You've only got part-time racism and that's because of the struggles and the stress and the trials and tribulations of navigating our way through this lunatic asylum of a world. It's 14 minutes past the hour. Come here and I tell you, mad stuff on RTE Radio 1 this morning in Dublin is a national broadcaster of Ireland. Morning Ireland, the flagship programme, political programme, which comes on at stupid o'clock in the morning, but it's on five mornings a week. Cue the presenter. It's a little bit about climate change, I think. We'll stay with heat and the warm start to September here may help banish memories of a wet July and a wet and windy August. Right, so it absolutely pissed it down in in July and August in Ireland, as it did in the UK. But we're going to stay with the heat, says the presenter. But this morning, Ishka Erin is renewing its call to all of us to conserve water. Conserve water. Ishka Erin is basically the Irish Water Board. So they've been calling on Irish people this morning to conserve water, even though 570 litres of water per square inch fell in Ireland in July and August. I made that up, of course. Couldn't be 570 litres per square inch. Everybody would be dead in Ireland now. But it rained heavy there. So what the hell are they telling people to conserve water for? Because overall, we're still using too much of this precious resource. How much is too much? Margaret Attridge is Ishka Aaron's Head of Water Operations. Margaret, thank you for joining us. 
Uh, good morning, Mary. Think water conservation. This is your renewed appeal to the public. What's your research, though, telling you about our continuing attitude to water and to wasting water? The Irish leprechauns. What's wrong with our attitude to water? Mary from Ishka Aaron. Yes, well, um, a recent survey we carried out um, shows that um, more than 50% of households really um, aren't taking any measures to to minimise their water usage. And 50% of houses in Ireland are taking no measures whatsoever to conserve their water usage. Maybe people just use the water they need. What, what does she mean? And it really is important um, that we all do what we can to protect our water resources. Protect your fucking water resources. You're in one of the wettest countries on planet Earth, love. It's absolutely, I mean, fluch. <laughs> is that the word, is it? My Irish has deserted me. Fluch. I mean, it pisses it down 350 days a year in Ireland. What is she talking about? The country, um, we have the most beautiful rivers, lakes um, around Ireland, and very precious underground water resources. And um, we must all do our bit uh, to protect these. In in um, in treating water, uh, there's a huge amount of energy used. Also, ah, now we get to the payoff in treating water before we before we release it into the sea. And all of that. And before we recycle it, we've got to use a lot of energy. Um, in treating water, uh, there's a huge amount of energy used also. And you'd have heard there from your last speaker the impacts that climate change. Ah, yes. See, if you're not conserving your water in Ireland, it means that Ishka Aaron and its subsidiaries will have to spend more time, more energy on treating the water, more energy will be created, more CO2, and that's bad for the planet. Is having um, on people's lives. So by reducing your water consumption, you reduce the energy that we use in Ishka Aaron and treating the water. So it's benefits all around the community. Uh, benefits the community. And there's a huge increase in the use of water over the summer months. How big an increase? Yeah, people generally fill swimming pools in the summer. Um, people shower more in the summer. And I'm pretty sure people drink more water in the summer. Well, um, even it, even if it pisses it down through July and August. It, it, it would vary kind of from location to location across the country. Ah, fuck. It's very sinister, this, isn't it? You know, constantly pressuring and gaslighting people through the media. And this isn't Ireland, of course. This could be any country. You know, constantly telling people they're bad. You know, there's, it's almost, look, they're not calling people sinful, but that's where it's going. You know, I mean, these are religious mania uh, ideas, aren't they? Climate catastrophe, climate breakdown is coming, you know. Remember that nonsense yesterday from the UN Secretary General? The dog days of summer are not just barking, they're biting. Climate breakdown has begun. Yeah, the UN Secretary General's words as read by a Sky News reporter. So telling people you're bad and you're not good and you, almost like you're unclean, no pun intended, with the water. But, you know, you're to blame for the climate problem and you've got to stop using so much water and all of this garbage. And, of course, this will probably play into social crediting in, you know, in no time at all, I'm guessing, as the fear-mongering around the climate is uh, ramping up, um, it seems, w without any let-up whatsoever. Let's leave that one alone for a few minutes. Dr. Richard Scott is a Christian doctor, and he was accused of overstepping his boundaries when he prayed with a patient. And because of that, he's been given a warning by the medical watchdog. 
Now he's from Margate, Richard Scott. I tried to get him on the programme today um, without any luck at all. But anyway, we might get him on next week. He was found, thankfully, not guilty of serious misconduct by the Medical Practitioners Tribunal Service. But he was found guilty of misconduct, which, while serious, isn't serious enough for him to be struck off. And the warning will stay on his register as a doctor for five years, right? Um, it, it was alleged that he spoke with a patient about his face, the doctor, about his own face, before clasping his patient's hand in prayer. And Dr. Scott also gave a Bible to that same patient when, when he left the Bethesda Medical Centre practice in Margate in Kent. So when the patient was leaving, um, Dr. Scott said, here, as you're going, here's a copy of the Bible. It's the second time the doctor was warned this happened or something similar happened back in 2012. He had an interesting conversation on talk radio with Ian Collins yesterday. You will hear Dr. Richard Scott first. Many years ago, the World Health Organization stated that, that full well-being involves mental, physical and spiritual well-being. And we are spiritual beings. And many people are increasingly interested in, in, the, in, the, in the dealing with things from a spiritual angle. Um, my patients in Margate, so many of them have had terrible lives. Uh, I started off talking faith with uh, drug addicts, of which are multiple, then alcoholics, and then people with mental health problems. We've got the science behind us. There are literally thousands of papers showing that faith benefits health. And where doctors are unable but what, to help what is people faith? I mean, faith, mm. when you say spirituality, faith yeah. isn't that kind of almost like mindfulness, you know, feel good, relax, and yeah. think positive stuff. Nobody's going to argue with that. But if you start bringing yeah. a specific doctrine, biblical readings and, mm. and, and quotations mm. about Jesus, I mean, that's a... That's a whole day. Is that really the spirit, sorry, of mm. this advice in yeah. the sense that you're meant to be, you know, spirituality is not the same necessarily as religion? You're absolutely right. Um, but, uh, and if I brought up uh, mindfulness, etc., then nobody would have been on my back. But actually, there's no evidence that mindfulness helps at all, whereas the thousands of papers that Christianity does help. So what I'm doing is evidence-based medicine. And uh, that's why I was so upset. There's, there's the no General evidence Medical that Council. Jesus helps, though, is there? I mean, I, I appreciate you believe that. But oh, there's, there's masses the of evidence. tangible evidence. We have masses of Jesus scientific Christ papers. Jesus will Absolutely. assist you in your recovery from a mental the, health the issue. The science is there, believe you me. There's a book called The Handbook of Religion and Health, which has gone through all the papers over the last 20 years, and there are thousands out there. It's an unknown so thing. So praying to Jesus? Prayer makes a big difference to people. But specifically to Jesus? Absolutely. So what if I pray to, to another religion? Well, I can't, I can't help you with that because I don't have the evidence behind it. Yeah, he mentioned the handbook there, didn't he? That would make very interesting reading. I'd like to speak to um, Dr. Richard Scott, I reckon. He'd be a very interesting and entertaining um, interviewee. So we'll try and get him on the programme to talk about the healing power of prayer. It's something I'm very interested in. Whether I be agnostic or not, I'm genuinely very interested in this stuff these days. So we'll try and uh, endeavour to get him on. You, uh, please do reach out to me via my website, richieallen.co.uk. You may also uh, find me on the app for the programme. The app. Um, it's warm, says David. In Loch... How do I... It's Loughborough, isn't it? It's Loughborough. It's warm. He says, I wish it was Buckin Doon. Check out the climate bullet points, he says. Ivor Cummins has put together in a handy little video. Well, do send me a link then, please. Thank you, David. Nelly says the white supremacy debate is nothing more than the age-old tool used to divide us. It's divide and conquer, says Nelly. Thank you, Nelly. Hi to Gail, who says, Richie, are they mining lithium in Ireland? They are here, and they use gallons of water in extraction. 
extracting it. Gail, I don't know if lithium is being mined in Ireland. You've caught me on the hop there. Christine says, Richie, maybe if they had if they had have left the natural springs alone. Very good, Christine. There's no shortage of water in Ireland. There couldn't be. You know, Caroline and Mike, good evening. Pink champagne showers. Sounds seriously kinky, says Caroline and Mike. David Keane has been on to say, just laughing, he's laughing at something. Thank you, David. And David Bramble says that, in his opinion, Professor Andrews is a race-baiting academic grifter. But he mightn't be, David. I understand why you're saying that, but he might not be. He strikes me, does Kehinde Andrews, who I invited on the programme only to be told no in no uncertain terms. Um, I think he's pretty sincere in his belief. Whether he's right or wrong, that's up to individuals to decide for themselves. But um, I think he's genuinely sincere. You know, I like people who are sincere. You know, the grifters I can't stand. But those who are genuinely sincere, I have great time for them, even if I completely disagree with their point of view. All, all I'm interested in, in terms of people, is that, is that I trust that they believe what they're saying. And they're not saying it for financial gain or for fame or whatever. So look, you might be right, by the way, David. He might be a grifter. I, I, I don't know that he isn't. But it's not the impression I get from Kehinde Andrews. Gaz Bob says, mass immigration divides any nation, young, old and families, etc. Maybe this is the idea. Hi to Mike. How are you, Mike? He says, they've got a time on the run clock on Talk TV now. Do you notice since I took the piss out of Kay Burley and the climate dashboard? Remember that video I made, which um, was a bit silly, really. I, I pointed my phone at the screen and recorded Kay, and then I laughed, and it went out there, and people started retweeting it. And pretty soon after that, they stopped with the climate dashboard. I wonder, did their little video have anything to do with that? Um, maybe I'm being a bit big-headed here. Maybe it had nothing to do with my video, but you never know. And Sally Walker says, Has the Irish Water Board not heard of primary water? Seemingly not, Sally. But as you probably know, this isn't about water consumption, is it? This is about control. And I to Rob, and thank you for your guest recommendation, Rob. Thank you so much. Now, it's time for a tune. You, you probably do know because you pay attention to The Rolling Stones will be releasing an album in a few weeks' time, The Stones. Yes, yes. And yesterday afternoon, they announced this at a theatre in London, didn't they? Uh, Richard, sorry, Keith Richards, Ronnie was there, and obviously Mick Jagger was there as well. Sadly not Charlie, because he passed away last year, didn't he, Charlie? Uh, what? But I have to say, this Neil McCormick gave a review in The Telegraph to the single you are about to hear. And McCormick is a bit of an arsehick sometimes. I like reading him. Sometimes he's a bit, um, I mean, he's never given U2 a bad review. And I was a U2 fan for many years. And U2 have, they've released a lot of pure toilet in recent years. Toilet now. Garbage, right? And McCormick always gives them at least four stars out of five. That's crap. And that really pees me off. But he's a very good writer. He's an Irishman. That helps as well. And he, he's written a very good review of the Stones' new song. And I didn't believe it, you see, because he can be a bit of a lick arse. He says it's a brilliant single and he gave it five stars. So I had to listen to it then, thinking it was going to be garbage. But it's not garbage. It's the Rolling Stones and it's angry on the Richie Allen Show. Ah. 
Angry from uh, the Rolling Stones. The forthcoming album is entitled, what's it called, Richie? Hackney Diamonds, that's the one, Hackney Diamonds. Yeah, good to have the Stones back in a bit of form. Let's welcome back to the programme the leader and founder of the Heritage Party, former member of the London Assembly and ex-teacher and all-round really good guy. Welcome back, David Curtin. How are you, David? I'm doing well, thank you, Richie. I love your intros. They're always so kind and positive. Well, you have to be positive. And I, I generally do like the people I invite on, you know. Whether I see eye to eye with them or not is irrelevant to me. And I, that, by the way, that doesn't mean I don't see eye to eye with David. <laughs> I generally do. But no, I do. I wouldn't invite you on if I didn't like you. Are you a fan of the Stones? Did you grow up listening to the Stones, David? A little bit. I think they were a little bit before my time, but of course I was aware of them. And uh, the 80s, there was a lot of rock around in the 80s, so I quite liked that back in the day, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Now, we're going to talk about your um, party conference, and we're going to talk about a forthcoming by-election, which is important. But I'd like to start off by talking about prisons. And this is where we might find a bit of disagreement, which will, which will be fun and entertaining. Um, th- this story about this um, man who it is claimed was working on behalf of the Iranian government and did some silly things around planting fake bombs and sourcing dodgy materials online. And he's absconded, as they say, from Wandsworth Prison in London and apparently got out under a delivery vehicle. The media has gone absolutely crazy about this and I'm sure you'll have something to say about the guy and security. But from what I could hear on the media today, and they weren't bleeding hearts types, a lot of ex-cons who'd been in Wandsworth, including a couple of very well-spoken gentlemen who had been in for white-collar crime. Apparently the conditions in that prison, David, are subhuman. What do you know about that? I don't know anything specifically about Wandsworth Prison, but I think there's a huge range of conditions in prisons in this country. You, you've got some that have got um, single cells and toilets in the cells and um, petting, you know, animal petting and so on and shops and things for people to go shopping in. And there's others where the inmates are overcrowded, three in a cell made for two, which in this day and age is perhaps inhuman anyway, and uh, they still have to slop out. And the thing is, there's many more prisoners than there are um, capa- than there is capacity at the moment because um, they haven't built the capacity for the extra uh, prisoners that they have. So, you know, there uh, is inevitably some overcrowding in some prisons, which is absolutely awful. Yeah, apparently Wandsworth is operating at twice its legitimate capacity. So there are two times, I know you know this, but for listeners listening who might not have understood that, uh, there should be about 900 people in there if it's full, just under. There's about 1,600. So it's not quite twice, but but it's getting there. And nobody from Wandsworth would deny some of the claims made on national radio today that um, 23-hour-a-day lockdown is, is commonplace because of a shortage of staff. And here's the thing that I found, and feel free, um, we're mates now, you can call me a bleeding hearts liberal if you want, and I'll shut up and listen to you. Um, the thing that I found extraordinary was claims made on the website about Wandsworth Prison have been proven to be completely false, namely that there are induction weeks when prisoners come in, there are basically limitless activities, including radio production and all manner of educational things. Nothing goes on there. Nothing, effectively. And I know that conservatives, and I I don't know what I am these days, but conservatives think, you know, you do something wrong, you've got to 
do the uh, crime, you got to pay for it, take your medicine, shut up and come out and try and rebuild your life. But someone like me, I think, yeah, okay, people have got to be punished sometime, but don't we have to do something with people in jail? And you're an ex-teacher. To give them the best chance possible. Go ahead, jump in. Yeah, look, there has to be a balance. And, you know, I think there should be strict and proper sentencing for people. So someone does the crime, they have a sentence that reflects the crime that they've done, and they stay in prison for the amount of time they're supposed to be in prison for. But while they're there... The prisons should be humane. I mean, you had Elizabeth Fry in the um, 19th century in the great social reform movement, starting, I think, in Reading Jail and uh, looking at this issue, you know, 150 years ago and saying, look, prisoners, yes, they've done terrible things, but the conditions should be humane, at least. There's a basic level of humanity that we have to give to every single person. Okay, that's not that they have radio production courses. Of course not. I'm not saying that. But they should be, um, you know, perhaps in this day and age, have individual cells and sinks and toilets, for example, you know, and they should get, you know, um, enough food to eat and there should be, um, you know, you know, uh, a protection from gangs in prisons. And the problem with short staffing that you mentioned there, that's another issue. It's not that they're short staffed, it's that some of the staff are new and novices and they just simply can't cope with handling the very rough and aggressive prisoners they have. And the, the, the gangs form and they just run riot and the gangs are allowed to take over the prisons. This is completely wrong. Gangs should not be in charge of the prisons because then there's safety issues for every single person there. That needs to be dealt with and there needs to be a basic level of humanity at the same time as prisons, yes, they're not going to be, you know, nice hotel style um, places yeah, yeah. like a holiday camp, but they need to have a basic level of humanity to them. It, it, giving contracts to private corporations to run the staffing of prisons... I would have said when this began, of course, with my background and my political ideologies at the time, I would have said this is a recipe for disaster. You, you inevitably get these situations, don't you? Because corporations have only one um, desire, and that is to make as much money as they possibly can. And we've seen that in other areas where governments have given the private sector uh, the opportunity to run services. The services tend to deteriorate because... Again, the corporations only want to make money. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's some things in the life of a nation, some services, if you like, or some aspects of government that should never, ever be open to corporations. And prisons is one of them. You know, police, probation, courts, prisons, the army, the navy, the air force, those things are functions of the state to do with justice and security. There's absolutely no way that they should be open to private companies to run and to run as a profit-making enterprise. That's just going to go wrong immediately. Yeah, we see that in the United States. Um, Thanks for that. On the gentleman, gentleman, probably he's probably no gentleman, but the chap himself who's at large, can you believe the incompetence here that I've heard people say today that it's 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 understood by pretty much everybody that a guy suspected and the guy might be innocent for all we know but the guy suspected of such of being such a danger to society should have been housed in Belmarsh and not in Wandsworth I mean the incompetence appears to be breathtaking what do you think 
Yeah, you would think so. If someone is on terrorism charges and they're facing trial, then Belmarsh would be the place for them to be. I mean, I don't know why he wasn't in there. It's right next to the courthouse where he's going to have his trial um, in November, apparently. So something has gone wrong somewhere in the system, you know, in the prison system and service uh, and administration of that as a whole. I think it's just a sign of the deeper malaise within the nation, within the civil service as a whole, which is affecting all the departments of the civil service. I think you've got people in there that just aren't competent um, to running things because they are now um, hiring people on the basis of equality, diversity and inclusion rather than on the basis that someone is competent to do the job and they'll make sure the right person is in the right place and the right thing happens at the right time. That's not uh, what people are looking for anymore when they hire people and when they run things. They're running things down rather than um, making things uh, run well. Well said. Can I get, get a quick comment from you on, I've been saying this for 20 years and most people I meet still continue to disagree with me, that um, frontline politicians are effectively front men and front women for for what I would call the hidden hand, right, for others who, who, who generally control things. It, isn't my argument lent even more weight when Rishi Sunak can appoint Grant Shapps as Secretary of State for Defence, a guy who sells three or four cabinet briefs and uh, obviously knows nothing about the army or defending a country? Isn't it lending weight to my argument that the politicians we see rolled out in front of us, whether it's here, Ireland, France, the United States, they're puppets for another agenda. That's what I've always believed and nothing has uh, happened to change my mind. What do you think? Well, the MPs that we have in this country from all parties, I think, are quite low grade and pretty deplorable in a lot of what they do. And they're just not up to the job. And you've got people who have no idea about schools running education, no idea about um, uh, defence running the army. I mean, this just isn't going to work. And the way we do things, I mean, the MPs have a certain role. Their role is to make laws. They're lawmakers. Their role is to make um, legislation. But, you know, someone elected to that role is not necessarily going to be an expert in the fields that you need someone in to run the services and the departments of government. So you do have the civil service behind them and they do have permanent secretaries in all the departments who are supposed to have, uh, you know, represent some continuity between different governments with the elections that we have every four or five years. But they're also supposed to obey um, the plans of the ministers and do what they say. But things have gone wrong on every level in this country. The MPs are no good and the civil servants themselves often just do what they want and ignore um, instructions they get from the ministers and the government that they're supposed to follow. Yeah, and they're unelected civil servants, of course, and who knows who they are beholden to and what they're doing when they're not working at, at Whitehall and who they're listening to. That's very good. David uh, Curtin is our guest, uh, the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. We'll talk about the party in a moment. Listen, listen I didn't bring you on to talk about race, and you're probably tired of it because... I know you get asked about race a lot. We've had a conversation about it on the programme before, but I was very interested in listening to Professor Kehinde Andrews in uh, London today. He was on the Politics Live programme with Joe Coburn, 
and he talked about his new book, which he's called The Psychosis of Whiteness, which he said to his credit, he said, look, I, I, I put the troubling title on there to get, you know, a bit of um, attention for the book. And he talked about how the psychosis of whiteness, not of white people, he made that clear distinction, um, does have an impact on the mental well-being of some black people. And he gave examples of that, you know, having to change who you are in the workplace to not be seen as uh, the troublesome black dude. I think the guy's pretty bright. I, I, as a white guy, I don't know, you know, how, how deep into this I should get. Because you know, I haven't experienced any racism myself, so maybe it's wrong for me to say, you know, how racist the society is or how racist it isn't. But um, it caused a bit of a stir today. Have you ever experienced that? Or have any of your um, friends of colour um, who you've worked with or, 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 or otherwise um, felt that they've had to change their behaviour to advance or to just get on in a white institution, as he labelled it today? Well, I, I've never experienced that myself. I mean, I, I just I'm David, you know, and uh, I remember back when I was young, you know, it was the 90s and I, that was when I graduated. And it was a fantastic time because no one really ever thought or considered uh, race as an issue. You know, I came to London um, for the first time to live in 1993 and there were people from everywhere and all over the place. But we just looked at each other as individuals and all got on together and respected that we had different cultures and different understandings. But, you know, if you worked with someone, um, you were, you would get on to, and do the task together. There, there was never this big issue that race has been turned into, which I think has really happened in this country uh, over the last 10 years. Specifically, it's accelerated over the last 10 years with, with people like uh, Kahinda Andrews. I've, I've debated him before uh, on, on the, a television show. And yeah, he he is a critical race theorist and he makes his money uh, from peddling critical race theory and whiteness and white privilege and black disadvantage. And we need uh, affirmative action and all this kind of things. I totally disagree. I think you just need to look at everyone as an individual and give the best person the, the you know the best person to have the job the best person should get promoted and of course there are going to be people who fit in better than others in every company yeah. in every institution every every nation every town every institution has its own culture and if you join an institution or a business you have to fit into the culture of the business and they are very very diverse the thing is stop complaining about it and just get on with it that's what I well, well, hang on now. Two things there. You said that he, he makes his money. Now, that might very well be true, but he is a lecturer at the Uni of Birmingham and he might very well hold these beliefs sincerely, right? I happen to think he might do. I have a bit of sympathy with him and I'll tell you why. I generally do, and I have believed for a long time, long before COVID, I've been doing this type of programme for a long time, David. I believe that our civilization is psychotic. The things that have gone on particularly in the last 20 or so years, right? The wars of aggression. Uh, look, I'm not going to get into it. People kind of know in general what I mean. Obviously what's happened in the last three years. And I have a bit of sympathy with somebody like Professor Andrews, if he does um, sincerely hold his beliefs. Because if civilization is psychotic, and you're looking around at it, and you understand it's psychotic, you might look at the institutions, you know, the particularly dystopian institutions that maybe he's thinking of, and they are pretty much stocked out with, packed to the rafters with white people. 
And that might explain, I mean, I'd love to talk to the guy myself, but he won't speak with me. You know, as to, as to is there any, does he, does he find any, would he, would he meet me halfway there? The world is psychotic and it is run by psychotic people. And the majority of them are white people. I mean, that's a fact, uh, as far as I uh, can see it anyway. You might see it differently. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, one thing, I think he works for Birmingham City University, which is not the same as the old university oh, of Birmingham. Right. Okay. It's a much newer university, I think. Um, and it is the sort, a sort of university that does tend to have um, departments of race studies and gender studies and sociology and all this kind of thing. But yeah, I do agree with you. So, so society, Western societies are psychotic now or neurotic, whatever you like to call them. Something has gone very, very wrong. And I think it's deliberate and all the values that we used to have that everyone took to be common sense that made society work have been um, attacked continuously and turned on their head and corroded and so now you have uh, everybody fighting each other or fighting their own corner or saying I'm a victim, I'm a victim the whole victim mentality has just been inculcated into everybody, you know, for black people women, gay people, trans people Muslim people, uh, immigrants and now you know white people are, are also becoming psychotic in a way because the the, the inversion of um critical race theory you know I, it's a reaction to um the affirmation of you need to affirm black people because of critical race theory so then white people are done down and this doesn't affect the people at the very very top who are still in the power but it still have the power. But it affect, affects people who are just, you know, on the bottom and middle rungs of a company because you have schemes that say, oh, we're only going to promote people who are black or over people who are white, you know, training courses for black people only, which then, of course, it's like, you know, white people are saying, what's going on here? So it's just, again, making everybody and conquer, yeah. get into little identity groups and fight each other rather than seeing each other as individuals and British and take on on the foundations of the culture which we have which would be far more healthy wouldn't it be amazing if um because you described that beautifully that's how i see it you know a race to the bottom um, more and more splinter identity groups each one um, imagining that they are more persecuted than the next one and if they could only see what we see that there's an agenda to completely transform society and basically turn the planet into a prison if people could only see that and see that there aren't any specifically um, targeted people by that agenda, that it's targeting everybody, we'd win then, wouldn't we, David? It'd be over in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think this agenda is, is specifically targeting Western nations far, far more than other nations. I mean, I don't you, you don't get people in African nations much, you know, talking about, oh, I'm a victim of this and I'm a victim of that. People just get on with this. But Asian nations particularly, some of them have had a very, very hard time in history, like Vietnam, for example. But you go to Vietnam, the people are just getting on with their life and they're building their businesses and having their families families and trying to like make a, a new uh, forge a new path for themselves um so we do have a specific problem in this country and i think you know we just need to understand first of all what it is that's attacking us and it's the, it's marxist thinking it's the the victim mentality that is inculcated you know by marxian ideology not economically this time but culturally with all these different identity groups and you know if we can just you know 
take a bit of time each day uh, to to be grateful for what we have, to be grateful for who we are and the beautiful world we live in and the friends we have and start being grateful for life and think of the good things that we have rather than all the time thinking, oh, I'm a victim. Uh, I'm worse off than this person, that person. Think, you know, then I think that would be a first step to actually um, getting back on the right track. Heritageparty.org, that's the website for the Heritage Party. Busy time for the party. You've got um, by-elections to contest and you've got the annual conference coming up, David. It's very busy. Yeah, I wasn't expecting um, a second by-election. There's already going to be the mid-Bedfordshire election now. That's um, uh, been declared. We haven't got a date for it, but we've got a great candidate for that, Alberto Thomas, who stood in the mayor of Bedford election earlier this year. So I'm very excited about that. Um, the Tamworth election is coming up. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we're, we're looking at the moment to what we're to do there. But it's very interesting because we're actually, our, our annual conference is going to be in Tamworth this year. Um, completely. We had no idea that there's going to be a by-election going on Amazing. while our party conference is there. But I'm very much looking forward to it. We, we got a really good lineup of speakers. It's going to be a great day. And you're still fully committed to it, you know, because it's difficult, right? I'm not here to pour cold water on your political ambitions, far from it. But it really is David against Goliath stuff, isn't it? When you think about the money. I mean, didn't the guy, God forgive me for not remembering now, but... Um, I read an article in The Telegraph the other day um, written by a very wealthy man who said he's going to give £5 million to the Tories. I mean, that's what you're up against, isn't it? And that would be so nice if someone would give Wouldn't me it? five million pounds. We could run the Euro election campaign. I yeah. mean, yeah, I know it is so tough because, um, you know, the first past the post system is tough. We started three years ago and we, we immediately we had people come in, try to squash us and suffocate us just at the very beginning. But we're still here three years on. Our membership has doubled in the last year, which is very, very exciting. You know, we're still small, but we're growing very fast and uh, we got a great venue for the conference and um yeah it, it is tough because we, we don't have a big donors all of the money comes from members uh paying a membership fee it's only small 25 pounds a year but some give donate hundreds or a thousand pounds maybe here and there and i appreciate everybody that does that because it it keeps us going but you know we're, we're on the way and the thing is if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? You know, uh, we, we've got to make a challenge. And, and if you think, well, it's tough, I'm not going to finish. You might as well give up with that kind of thinking. My, my thinking is, yeah, it's tough. But Rome wasn't built in a day. Everest isn't climbed in an hour. But if you start, you can finish. And we're going to get there in the end with the determination and the wonderful people that we have with us. Good for you, pal. And we normally go to the top of the year, but I'm guessing you've got plenty to do this evening. So I won't keep you much longer. And I, are you even more motivated now? Because we're hearing little whispers about variants and about restrictions in the coming months and the winter. That must be boiling your wee. Um, I'm not very sophisticated when I say things like that. But um, is that extra motivation for you now coming into these elections? 
I seriously cannot believe that they're trying to pull this one again. I mean, they want us to go through what we went through in 2020 all again. I mean, the thing is, they've been trying to stoke this up um, periodically, like every couple of months, they talk about um, monkeypox variant or Marburg variant yeah. or this variant or <laughs> that variant. It, it keeps on coming, but it really looks like they're trying to go for it this autumn again. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we need to take this a little bit more seriously and one is the first time ever the all the kids in uh, this country between i think is 11 and 16 are going to be given a live flu virus up the nose and uh that is live and it can spread i mean th this is the most insane thing to do um it's supposedly a vaccine but they're giving kids a virus and it's gonna you know gonna give them an illness i didn't you know, know this, this is what they said at the time oh to some of the people give them the covid shot and then they get ill and they say oh that's a sign that it's working this is absolute madness yeah i didn't know um, this now do you know that what, what, what you said there about the live virus that's news to me i, I should be ashamed I'm supposed to know this stuff. I didn't know that. That's um, worrying, to say the least, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot live attenuated virus. This is the the, the nasal spray, and uh, they they've given it before, but I think they're giving it to they're going to try to give it to all secondary school kids this year. Um, yeah, so th this is very concerning how that might play out, and you know what what might happen from that. I mean, I I tweeted today, you know, I've never had a flu virus, flu jab, or anything in my life, and I'm not going to take one now. So um, that that would be that's what I'm going to do. It's up to everybody what they can do but you know that's just what i'm saying about myself um but but yeah it's um, also you have um an increase in excess deaths which has been going on for a couple of years and seems to be getting bigger and bigger all the time every week there's one or two thousand people extra over what you'd expect dying uh in this country so you know over the whole year you might expect up uh, 550,000 or so deaths a year in the UK but it's going to be you know be 650 to 700,000 this year so it's not double but you know it's not on a different order of magnitude but it is a much higher percentage. And this is concerning because, uh, you know, clearly at what I would say, to my mind, uh, this is caused from side effects from these experimental injections. And not everyone would agree with me, but that's my view. Well, whether they do or don't agree with you is irrelevant. It must be investigated. It's as simple as that. It must be taken seriously by the government and by the media. But, but both of them are see no evil, hear no evil. You know, hands are over the ears and over the mouths. We're not saying anything about it. I see Andrew Bridgen tried to bring it up again at PMQs yesterday. And he had his former colleagues telling him not to come back and sit here next week and heckling him. I mean, it's madness, David. Madness it is. Yeah, I mean, they, these people are all responsible because they voted for the Coronavirus Act. They voted for no jab, no job. They they pushed and promoted the injections. Uh, and, and they you know, first of all, as I, oh, 15, 15 million jabs to freedom. Do you remember that yeah. headline back at the beginning of 2021? Yeah. But that, was, that was, wasn't enough. 15 million had it and then they wanted everybody in the country to have it. You know, all 70 million of us, all 75 million, that's another story. 
story itself. Another story, That's yeah. another topic of discussion, the, the population. But yeah, they wanted everybody to have it. So, you know, the thing is, the people who resisted and didn't take it, in my mind, are heroes. And, uh, you know, you're the people, we're the people who um, it, it did not follow orders. You know, we, we would be the people, you know, in uh, people often say, you know, <laughs> about the, this whole um few years you know if you ever wondered whether you would have gone along with the nazis in the second world war now you know and it's the people who didn't um, you know um undermine life for each other and carried on with their lives and ignored the tyranny um i think are really truly um have a badge of honor as uh, true freedom fighters well said david good luck with the by elections and the party conference heritageparty.org is the website you've been listening to the leader and founder of the heritage party david Curtin. thanks for coming on pal look forward to the next time Thanks, Richie. Bye for now. David Curtin live on Thursday's Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for two minutes to the top of the hour. That's what it is. Lots to come on the programme. Matt Landman will be with me in around about 15 minutes' time. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And thank you for your messages. I really appreciate them. Faisal says someone must have said to the COVID scammers, pull the other one, and they thought they'd have another go. William says, I'm confused. At what point in time did white become not a colour? Uh, he previously said there is one big problem with common sense. It isn't common enough. Steve says there is absolutely nothing remarkable about English people, says Steve, who are white, English people who are white. Nothing remarkable about them. Being employed in the institutions of England. It's entirely normal, he says, whereas finding the same institution staffed by a large percentage of Africans is entirely abnormal. That's Steve. Thanks for that, uh, Steve. Hi to Pandora, who says you two are, that's the band, The Toilet. They are right down the World Economic Forum sewer since Bono became a pretend to friends, trustable hippie. I used to do a little bit of a ramble, uh, you might remember Pandora, about when Bono was nabbed by the cabal. It was on the Zoo TV tour in America in 1992 when Bill Clinton was running for president and their paths crossed and they became very good friends. A guy called George Stephanopoulos was heavily involved in that. And Bono then all of a sudden started palling around with people like uh, Bill Clinton and others and uh, various philanthropists. Later, of course, Bill Gates and others as well. Yes, hi to Huffman Aviation. Hello there. Keep those messages coming in. Streff says the UK government and the police, etc. are corporations and have a Dunn's number. Check them out on the Dunn & Bradstreet website or company's house. The primary role of a corporation is to make money. You are absolutely spot on. Very good. Okay, and hi to Anton for your lovely message, Anton. Thank you. Gabriel says he needs to open his curtains as he knows absolutely nothing about the writings of Marx. That's Gabriel. Um, he did mention cultural Marxism, didn't he? Um, we've had this out before on the programme, David Curtin and myself and others. Um, I, I just don't want to have the same arguments over and over again, Gabriel, but thank you. Terry says the problem is multicultural societies. After the celebrations in Ireland during the Italian 90. 
and the unity and joy it brought to Ireland, it was palatable that the powers that be had to destroy the Irish and the Ireland we lost. United we stand, divided we fall, says Terry. Hi to Bill, who was in Vietnam recently in Ho Chi Minh City, and a local walked past me one day and spat on the floor and said American, even though I'm British. It was only an isolated incident, though. But Bill, Britain has its own history in Vietnam, as does the French as well. Don't forget that. But I'm not saying I condone the behaviour. Of course I do not. Ian says the conditions of prisons may well be, in some places, scandalous, but it isn't on the same scale as the scandal of IPP sentences, which nobody ever seems to want to talk about. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Sorry, Ian, I, I should say. Hi to Linda. Richie, it would be amazing if David made some leeway in the political system. He comes across as an honourable man. Sadly, though, honour isn't a characteristic of many successful politicians. Great guest says Linda. Thank you, Linda. I always enjoy having David on. Um, always interesting. And somebody got in touch earlier on to say that they crossed paths with David at Victoria Station in London yesterday. It might have been Catherine. Was it you, Catherine? It might very well have been uh, your good self. Two minutes past the hour then, it's time for a tune. I've dug out John Farnham. So I have. Bit of John Farnham. Why not? All right, this is your Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from BBG Towers here in Salford. I'm Richie Allen. This is Thursday's programme. Matt Landman will be on shortly. He's had plenty to say about the wildfires in Maui. What might be causing those fires or starting them? We'll chat with him shortly. John Farnham, you're the voice on the Richie Allen Show, seven minutes past at the hour of six o'clock, Thursday show. How are you doing? You all right? You okay there? Uh, Paulie's been in touch. Thanks, Paulie. Richie, I do disagree with you uh, con- con- concerning your view of the academic Kehinde Andrews. As these academics, says Paulie, who theorise about these hot topics and who are given access to an audience, are narcissists and are fond of the attention. That, and like the anti-hate groups such as Kick It Out and Stonewall, they are given a platform because they exist to find hate and I genuinely believe that they're twisting things to fuel their fire because without it, they'd otherwise have no platform at all. I genuinely believe that all the battles have been won. There is a tiny minority, yes, of hateful people, but this is negligible. What these anti-hate advocates are doing is picking at the scars of wounds that were healed years ago. Well put, Paulie. That's a very well-made argument. I'm not saying I agree with you. I neither agree nor disagree. Um, All I said was, I I find the guy to be sincere, but you might very well be right. And narcissism might very well be a key factor here, you know. But maybe that, that we could also stretch it a bit further and we could maybe suggest it's possible that they source people like him and they specifically... Um, seek out people with these characteristics. It doesn't mean they're any less sincere. But look, look, listen, as I said, uh, you might very well be right. Um, Kev says, did you hear anything more from the Irish lawyer who talked about the COVID policy that seemed to be in place before it started? We are talking about Fanula Nee Aylone, aren't we? The former UN lawyer. Yes, brilliant. She was on with Dermot Murnahan on Sky News in early March of 2020 expressing... Well, 
what would you skepticism uh, the speed with which the legislation all of it very similar in language around the world you know the lockdown legislation she expressed a little bit of skepticism about it and said it almost looks to me she said like a lot of this stuff has been lying around in drawers yes waiting for the opportunity to use it ready-made legislation and stuff i've never seen her interviewed again anywhere and i do of course keep my eye on national and local media pretty much everywhere i never saw the lady appear on television again Man, we're hardly surprised are we James says, I do love David Curtin, what a nice fella. He lives in my neck of the woods in South East London. Always happy to stop and chat to people. He's a man of the people, says James. Thank you, James. Simon says, could they count the excess debts as COVID debts this coming autumn? Don't give him ideas, Simon, but then I'm sure they've considered it. Shall we reintroduce you uh, to Matt Landman? Shall we get Matt back on the programme? Let's get him back on. Looking forward to this. Uh, so I am. Um, look, I was on holiday in Torquay in mid-August when I was hearing a lot about wildfires in Maui, Hawaii, and elsewhere, it must be said. And I'll tell you what I found fascinating. Listen to this. When I was on holiday, the independent newspaper in the UK, it isn't independent. It's a mainstream newspaper, yeah. The independent, wait for it, USA Today in the United States of America. If you don't believe me, look it up. The New York Times, the LA Times, bbc.co.uk, PolitiFact, uh, um, something called dw.com, which is a fact-checking organisation. What I'm saying is news organisations all over the world began writing stories claiming that directed energy weapons were not used to start the fires. Now, I, of course, grew up in the mainstream media. I got my start and spent many years in the mainstream media. And this is very unusual. Ordinarily, if editors think something is untrue or something doesn't have any um, substance to it, they just ignore it. They've generally tended to ignore what they would describe as conspiracy theories. They just ignore them and kind of smiled at them. So why did some of the biggest newspapers and news websites in the world at the same time, around about August 17th, why did they put out stories saying directed energy weapons had nothing to do with the Maui fires? Well, my next guest is an old friend of the programmes. He is an activist, he's a filmmaker and a clothing designer. He's also pretty eloquent. He's appeared on podcasts and uh, films and videos uh, for several years and many years recently to talk about this issue and others of course he made the great Frankenskies a brilliant film exposing the geoengineering agenda let's welcome back to the show our friend Matt Landman welcome back Matt how are you greetings Richie thank you so much for having me on again am oh, I there thank you you're there and you're live and thank god I um you, you got in touch with me via Skype because I'd missed your earlier email and I would have kicked myself because this is too bloody important hey tell me this what do you make of that August 17th newspapers in lockstep writing stories saying don't believe any old guff about directed energy weapons it's all nonsense isn't that interesting it's very interesting that it would go mainstream to bring this it's 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 all divide and conquer and the we could talk for hours about the the directed energy weapons and how it's being spun out and the real truth in the Maui fire the, uh, the Maui fire situation 
Um, but first, I want to know, how is it going over there with this ULEZs? I hear there's a group of people taking out cameras called the Blade Runners. Have you heard of these guys? Yes, yes, and, and, and other names, ninjas. Some of them are, are, are being described as ninjas. And for listeners who don't um, maybe don't understand what Matt has just referred to, it's the ultra-low emission zone, uh, the brainchild of the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, meaning that cars dated pre-2018 um, would be charged, people would be charged £12, £50 a day to drive in London because their cars are uh, giving out too, uh, you know, too, too much emissions, too much CO2. Yes, Matt, there is, th- th- this is what I've dreamed of for years. I can't support this, by the way. Now, when I say I can't support it, I'm, I'm legally not allowed to recommend that people break the law. I'm not doing that. But I do love a bit of civil disobedience. And I think the ULEZ is tyranny. 15-minute cities are tyranny. And I understand, even if I can't say that I support it. You, you know what I'm doing here, don't you? I totally mm-hmm. understand that people are doing it. And they are doing mm-hmm. it. They're, they're putting hoods over the cameras. They're disabling the cameras. And they're making a big nuisance of themselves entirely. What do you think of it? I love the resistance. I think everything needs to have a polarity to it. And we we need and I love and adore and I want to meet these guys. I want to come over there and be a part of it personally. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, the What people don't get with Sadiq Khan, he seems pretty vicious. Oh. I don't I don't like the guy. He seems pretty evil. It, what's being set up here is an infrastructure. It's not about the car being a mission. It's about the freedom. And once this infrastructure is set up, things can be in place like, oh, wait, there's a lockdown because we need it because, oh, there's a virus or whatever it may be. Oh, climate, it got really hot today and we're not going to allow you or, oh, we're going to raise the fees or, oh, your social credit scores to whatever. This is a infrastructure being put in place that our children are going to be enslaved by and everyone has to grasp this and resistance is very important for people to see why anybody would be saying no to this and then try to understand what the writing on the wall is and to go there so this is all important it all plays into the smart cities the 15-minute cities and why the land grab in Maui is even happening so we've been having these fires and they've been going on around the world now in a land grab new world order agenda 2030 situation situation where first it started in the United States where these areas like Paradise and Santa Rosa, California, and then Lytton, BC was wiped off the map. And we've had a, a few others. Um, Colorado had one a couple years ago and even Southern Oregon in where I live just outside of Ashland, Oregon, there was um, Talent and Phoenix were wiped off the map. 2,300 low-income homes turned to dust in the middle of the day. And what's happening here which was very similar to Maui, in Talent, Oregon, the water was off, the electricity was on, and a lot of suspicions and the alarms didn't go off, no one was warned. But in the fires that I experienced where 2,300 homes went up in dust, one elderly person died, one person died. And generally speaking, when these, quote, forest fires, wildfires, whatever you want to call them, they're not, that term is complete bullocks because it's really arson driven and conspiracy driven and there's winds and may and we can we're going to talk about this direct energy weapon because i have an important information but um we're going to get there so fires are being had and what happened in paradise california is after the second round of fires they said hey this is a no-go zone we can't rebuild here you can't live here anymore we're going to rewild it for your own safety so if you had land there 
you're not allowed to live there or rebuild or anything anymore because the government said so. And this is part of the agenda 2030 where people are being pushed into smart cities and off of land where they can be free. So what happened in Maui is so many suspicions. And what's really important here is there's two sides, people who hands down believe official narratives and people who don't. And the people who don't believe official narratives, who question official narratives, those people are being bundled in into crazy nutter conspiracy theorists who think laser beams are destroying everything. And, and they're even taking it a step further to say that people are to dye their hair blue and to paint everything blue because lasers can't hit blue and all this stuff is getting kind of spun out of control. A lot of it is controlled opposition to make the truth look bad and to keep everybody on one side of the fence so they don't question the official narrative. The mainstream comes out and talks about directed energy weapons to people who are not even down the rabbit hole at all. And they're saying that something's not true, that they don't even have any information Never about. And so they're yeah. solidifying people's stance on, on staying on the other side of the fence because they have nowhere to go with the information. Go ahead and say what you're going to say, and I have a lot to say about No, I this. know you do, and we're going to go till just before the top of the hour. You'll have plenty of time to get into this. Uh, thanks for mentioning controlled opposition, because... There, there have been some farces, like we've seen online, what were actually rocket launches being claimed as directed energy or direct, direct energy weapons um, in operation, but they were, in fact, weren't. They were so, so those were easily debunked, and that's a, mm -hmm. that's a tried and tested method by the establishment, isn't it? It, it does that. It puts stuff out there and says, right, here's here's an actual photograph of a directed energy weapon doing its thing and starting a fire. It turns out it was a rocket launch, whether it was Tesla or, or some other com uh, company. And that's what researchers like you have to contend with, right? All the time. Well, they flood it. Yeah. And they did it during the lockdowns. And it's very smart. They did it 9-11. Um, Anytime there's a, a large PSYOP, the name of the game is to flood the media, the information sources, the alternative media, to flood all of the media with different information so people don't know what to think. It's information overload. So then they're turned to their trusted news source and they only believe them because who are you going to believe, right? You're going to believe USA Today, New York Times, and all these controlled groups that are all under one umbrella, but no one really grasps that. So what happened in Maui? Okay, so here's here's the story. I've got this large followership. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Landman. I'm an activist. I've been at it for a while now, and I made a movie, Frankenskies. I'm working on a sequel, Frankenskies 2, Climate Chains, like shackles, because that's what's happening with this narrative, um, to fight 5G because it's all part of it. I created a clothing line, Spiro EMF Protection Clothing, which is really important for people to check out because awareness and protection and everything, especially for the youth, it's all, it's all one big umbrella. So that's important, S-P-E-R-O gear, SpiroGear.com. And I'll talk about why when we start getting into smart meters, because these neighborhoods are being weaponized. It, the directed energy weapons, that is partly true, but a lot of it is a distraction from the weaponization of neighborhoods through surging smart meters. So on my followership, so I've got this big followership online. I'm on Facebook. I've got 70,000 followers and I'm on all these different networks and people have reached out to me with all these different clues. And over the past few years, I've talked to people, ex-military, who people start to wake up, different walks of life, people wake up different ways. And on two different occasions, I've been sent these videos of people with military-grade infrared goggles filming smart meters. And the smart meters under this infrared spectrum where you can't see it, the night vision goggles, you can't see it with the naked eye, 
the smart meters have these infrared designator flickers on them, like a war zone thing. So if you're friendly or you're looking to get bombed, the missiles or the counter, so if they don't want to hit you, they put a, a, a flicker of an infrared signal, an IR designator is called. And so your helmet in like Afghanistan or whatever will have this flicker on it so that they know it's you, but it can only be seen through infrared. So certain houses have an infrared designator on them, like don't hit this house. And some have an infrared designator on them, like hit this house. It seems is what I'm getting from no, it. Yeah. But it's, in, it's, it's invisible to the naked eye. And so when these fires hit, so what happened in Maui, I'm just going to run through it and then we can talk. And this is what I see is the truth. And a lot of people go, oh, that's your truth. This is my truth. No, it's the truth. The truth is a frequency. It's very important to recognize. And people start to debate, oh, if you're born a boy, you're actually a girl. And let's at five years old, let's change your. No, no, no. The truth is one thing. There's no debate of the truth. Okay. The weather's engineered. That's the truth. People can, people can argue or, or have opinions, but the truth is one thing. So here's the truth in the Maui fires. The weather was engineered, definitely. And traditionally, when hurricanes come through and try to hit Maui, they go through and hit the big island. And if they come from the direction that this one came from, the trade winds usually break it up. Like this is a once in a lifetime kind of coincidence for the storm to come from this angle, not hit the big island. Now, let's remember this is a volcano with lava. The fire men, the fire police there, everyone who's going to put out these fires, they're trained to deal with lava and fires. So these are people who are trained. And let's talk about forest fires. Usually it's like 0%, 10% humidity when fires can get all crazy like this. We're at a beach community where it's 100% humidity. Fires don't do this. They never have. They never did. They've never come crept on a town and killed lots of people like this. So in this situation, the winds were engineered. The palm trees were like bowing to the ground. The winds were so strong coming from one direction whereas the winds usually go the other direction. They're coming from the forest onto the coast, and fires were lit, multiple fires. Everyone's saying they're coming from multiple directions. They were either lit by lightning, which they can do with uh, precipitation of lightning through lasers, which is patented, and um, check out the movie Frankenskies if you haven't seen it, frankenskies.com, very important, especially now. That's my film, and it's getting especially popular even now. Um, today, it's even more popular than it ever was. It came out in 2017. So they can make lightning, they probably had people, goons, hired on the ground to light the fires too and direct energy weapon lasers to light the ground fires. And Sure, why not? They can do it and they probably do and that, I'm not arguing that. But were the towns wiped out with lasers? The, the winds took the fires to the town and then I think surging smart meters take these towns out because the homes with no smart meters are left standing. The homes with the old analog meters and then the – the uh, rooftops with the um, you know solar power, they don't have any burn on their homes. If you're smart enough to turn the electricity off, I have a feeling that you're not going to have a surge from the main line and you're not, your home's not going to be pulverized. So then what happens is this electrical fire basically. So the smart meters are designed to send microwave signals to like a cell tower. But – and they interact with the electricity in the, in the um, whole network. But in a fire, there can be a surge. Is, is this purposeful? Probably. But it, could it be an accident? Maybe. You know, who knows? But most likely it's very diabolical. And so there's a surge of electricity into these homes. And so all the wires in the whole home, they're being fried. And these homes are surging. And things like brick stacks of the um, fire the fire the fire. Um, places you know those are left because they're brick or the recycling bins out front that happen to be blue some of them they're microwave safe and they're left 
But the cars, because they're metal and the people who are stuck in their cars, they're all cooked because things that are in this microwave, it's like sticking aluminum in a microwave. You know, if I can better explain it, please ask questions. So the people, they were thinking, oh, this fire is going to creep on and we'll watch it from our from our cars or we're, we're going to slowly evacuate We're you know, the firemen will take care of it. No, the emergency broadcast didn't even go off. The water was turned off just like it was in talent, Oregon, where I witnessed my friends lose a lot and all this sort of stuff. And the, um, electricity was left on where in a fire wind situation like this, where power lines are down and we're worried about this, it is textbook. We all know you turn the electricity off. So that's all very big red flag. Okay. And then when the fires came sweeping in and ended up killing hundreds of people, the main media came, comes out initially and says 36 dead because they couldn't tell everyone in the world that hundreds had died because people would raise their eyebrows and be like, what do you mean? That never happens. Wildfires creep up on towns. People evacuate. One old person ends up dead, maybe, in history. This has killed more people than any fire like this has ever before. And then you have the governor coming out and being like, yeah, this is a one-of-a-kind fire, but these things are going to happen more often. And all of these coincidences add up. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah, because it's the argument I've been listening to. It's the... Um, political argument. Yes, we, we're, we're going to see more and more of this because of climate change. Today in the UK, we have exceptionally warm um, weather we have had for uh, the week that we've just had, Matt. Um, I believe I know why it's warm. It's warm because it's just bloody warm. It just happens to be warm. Um, but our news media is full of horror stories, including on bbc.co.uk today, that this is in fact going to become more common and things are going to become more and more unbearable because of climate change. And that's what I've been reading about these wildfires, how it's being reported in the media. It's climate change, it's climate change, it's climate change. And um, it's going to become more and more frequent as time goes on. And yes, there are calls in this country as well, in Greece and other parts of Europe, um, to deal with this in several ways. You've already described some of these ways. One of the ways being to um, disinhabit um, uh, places to take people out of places and to rewild uh, the land. Um, uh, we see this in coastal communities as well. You know, let's decommission towns and get people out of those towns. And yeah, yeah, I, 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 he- I hear all of this. I'm not too familiar with directed energy weapons. Um, I do believe they exist. I've seen some of the patents that you mentioned. Um, listeners do send me lots and lots of stuff about these uh, things. So the the patents are there. The uh, the weapons are there, and I can. I can certainly believe um, that uh, the the climate change agenda is a diabolical one, to use your phrase. And I can certainly see how, um, you know, a a psychopath could think, let's burn down an entire entire town and let's signal to the rest of the world, see, this is climate change, this is going to be deadly and your grandchildren are going to be dealing with these horrors in years to come. So you've got to act now. You've got to act now. You've got to stop doing the job you're doing. You've got to stop flying places. You've got to stop interacting with people. You've got to eat less meat. You've got to change uh, the way it is you live. You've got to live in 15-minute cities. I totally get that. I totally get it. The problem you have, I think, and folks, um, Matt is right, do check out frankenskies.com. Check out the film. It's an excellent film. problem you have, I believe, Matt, is that it's so diabolical convincing enough people that it's actually going on is a real difficulty. Now, you might tell me to piss off and say, well, that that may be the case, Richie, but what do you expect me to do? We've got to keep putting this information out there and hope that enough people will take it seriously or at least take another look at it. 
it's very difficult this isn't it once you start mentioning direct energy weapons you've already said that quite rightly that the media has done a number on it you know and convinced people who've never heard of it that the concept itself is completely fanciful or downright deranged it's very difficult matt i don't envy you my friend well firstly you got to meet people where they're at and even if you think something is exciting um maybe it's true maybe it's not but you got to think about how you're going to be perceived by the general public that's very like important because this is this is a deep divide and conquer scheme and with each psyop we get further divided and you got to think about the people who are taking everything hook line and sinker if they're being convinced each time that this lie is true every single lie that they deal with that we realize is actually a psyop they're being further pushed from the truth and we can't push them further from the truth. It's our responsibility as activists, as humans, as brothers and sisters of all these people to see them and see ourselves in them. Find ourselves in everyone. I know it's hard because it's like, oh, they're lost. It's hopeless. No, we can plant these seeds and maybe even though we're excited about directed energy weapons, maybe we can take a pause and just get to back to the basics. And this is what I see as the basics, Richie. I've been thinking about this recently because global warming is so hard. Here's the deal. You have to witness your own heat wave made by chemtrails. Okay. So watch your weather report. If there's going to be a heat wave coming up, watch the sky. They're going to spray the crap out of your sky with aluminum and barium, mix chemicals together, and then microwave your sky. They're microwaving your sky. You can see the ripples in the sky because of the microwaves hitting the clouds, the fake clouds, and they're trapping in heat. Once you can grasp what they're doing, they're trapping heat, they're making heat, they're making heat waves. When you can witness your own heat wave, okay, and it takes it takes a lot to really see it on your own because they prime the sky with the shorter trails that we thought were contrails and they're not. They're just chemicals, and then they put in the medium stop, the medium sized plain trails that's like barium mixing in with the and it's with the strontium and then they add the aluminum and it's a whole thing it's a whole orchestrated thing millions of dollars are spent to make that heat wave and it's not natural when you can witness that then all the global warming nonsense goes out the window you are okay? right in matt you when, when you say that in the days leading up to a a predicted warm weather period so when they say you've got some warm weather coming next week you said this to me a few years ago and I didn't believe you, but um, but but I'm a polite guy and this is an open forum, it's a free speech forum. So you said it and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not buying that really. Um, but I have seen evidence of it myself. Yeah, when they tell you, as they did last week, they said, right, it's going to be pretty warm in the first week in September when the kids go back to school. Yeah, last week our skies were absolutely covered in them. I mean, we were papered with this stuff. Which, um, which again, it's funny, Matt, the British media has been writing about chemtrails. There was an article on bbc.co.uk, uh, the news website the other day, debunking chemtrails. So you must be doing something right, you and others, in terms of getting this information to people for, for them to at least consider it. Because if you weren't getting somewhere with it, the BBC wouldn't be putting out stories saying that chemtrails is a ludicrous conspiracy theory, right? Well, they have to because permanently normalized now as well. They have to simultaneously tell the world that the conspiracy theorists are nutters for thinking it's real, but they're also bringing it as a solution. So there's a multi-tiered solution to this slavery, whatever you want to call it. They want people in 15-minute cities with 5G 
and even infertile, which is a whole game, which is why you have to understand the importance of the silver clothing line is the fertility game. It's all part of it. So they push people into this transhuman debacle into 15 minute cities and they tell them they can't, everything's carbon taxed. And I, I have to talk about this flight that I was about to book the other day. Don't let me forget. So they tell everyone carbon tax. You can't, everything's carbon based. How much, how far away did that, oh, your banana takes that much. Your banana is very expensive now because it's a carbon based. And how long is your hot shower? And, you know, you, you got to get credits and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, they're also going to be slowing down the heating of the planet with geoengineering. And that's all coming out that they're going to be doing this to save us. And Biden has been okaying it. It's being leaked out. Trump okayed it and Obama okayed it. And it's all in the media. So the other day, this blew my mind. The other day, I was looking at flights because I wanted to go on a short trip to go to some a wedding. Okay. And I'm probably just going to drive and shame on me for either driving or flying, you know? Yeah, yeah. You either, murder either one, you. I'm screwed, right? You murder. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a horrible person. Yeah. So on the flight, it said this flight emits this much CO2 because we have this efficiency in our planes and we're really good and we're 30% better than we were. And then it says Google strives to tell us how much carbon we've emitted and soon Google will be telling how much each airline and plane um, ticket uses uh, persistent contrails. So I was like, what the? I was like, I was like totally blown away. The last word was persistent contrails. So they're going to give each flight a rating based on how much persistent contrails that they're emitting and heating the planet. So they're emitting – so they're claiming, they're claiming that the engines release all this blasting hot air, which they're not. The engines are these – high bypass turbofan jet engines and if you're lucky you'll see the one going by and not emitting any line at all and that's normal okay everything else is total nonsense in your sky which is hard to believe but it's but it's true you have these planes it, the high bypass turbofan jet engine which magically disappeared in the pentagon and didn't even break the windows these things are rolls royce two tons of titanium and steel and they're like propellers they create a lift over these wings it's like having a propeller like spinning Okay, like making lift with wind. There's no like jet fuel blasting on the back pushing the jet like a F-16 or something because those are a totally different engine and a totally different plane. Like these Air Force planes, their engines are on the back and they do produce a lot of heat and they can create a contrail and that's different. The passenger jets have these big, huge turbines basically on the wing and these are propellers internalized let's look at them like that because the propeller is not producing any hot air no one's going to say oh where's the contrail on that one so these short lines that we see and the medium and the long ones is all this thing like i said making <laughs> your weather right so they claim that the planes emit hot air and that each plane makes a contrail and the contrail is making global warming and that if you fly, you're going to be taxed on it in the future because you have to pay for your global warming and the planes are doing it. So then tr then I come along and I'm like, <laughs> excuse me, world. Actually, no, they are admitting that the, the <laughs> it's like, no, they're playing, they're spraying aluminum that's making global warming and they're doing it on purpose, not on accident. The end. And people are like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah. I've had a. Th this is. Have you put this online? This information, this new information, where they're t where they're openly talking about contrails and uh, taxing the flights. And this is a better flight for. Yes, this this is a better flight for the planet than this one. Is this stuff going to be online where people can see this? 
Uh, yeah, I do. And I, I am an actual activists.com with an S at the end. That's where I put everything up because on my social media, yeah. it's wild what gets censored. You'll put something up, it gets zero and it just sits there with nothing. I you know. put something else up and it's thousands. It's what they want. And that's why I look at the things on TikTok. I mean, TikTok, is just unbelievable. You can look at this and if you have the right lens, the right perspective, you don't get caught up in it. You can really learn a lot. This is a socialist communist republic of China. They don't allow the hashtag chemtrails. Go try. They don't allow the hashtag for chemtrails. Isn't that but really direct- interesting? Listen, yeah. I'm old enough to remember because I've been into the whole phenomena or phenomenon since um, about uh, 2011. Um, when I began, it was actually 2009 when I began doing programs like this. And I was convinced very quickly, and I'm not an easy guy to convince because I'm very sceptical. But the chemtrail agenda is a real agenda. It's absolutely real. Um, Seamus has been in touch to say the cars in Manchester have a kind of a gunky guff draped over them, obviously from the skies. This is amazing. I went out to my driveway today and my car had been pretty clean and it was covered. Uh, it rained a little bit uh, and the rain left the car covered in um, kind of mucky, grimy greasy kind of a substance and I thought it might be because the skies are full of silt and uh, dust because of a big storm in Europe Matt and maybe that explained why my car 20 minutes ago was pristine very clean next thing it's covered in a kind of a mucky the whole thing with you know raindrops like mucky raindrops well what's going on there is it down to these uh, storms that are happening in Europe and that's what's uh, getting into the uh, atmosphere, and then that's why it's raining like that. Does that make any sense? Well, it's both. You know, um, it's not the best to point at dirty cars and say this is the chemtrails, but oftentimes it is. So they're using the atmosphere as a laboratory. NASA quote: They use the atmosphere as atmosphere as a laboratory, and they make noctilucent clouds, admittedly, and they are doing experiments spraying aluminum, barium, strontium. They'll say it on their website. NASA has a budget of now ninety million dollars per day 90 million dollars per day the nasa budget and what do they do with it they have a chemtrail program admittedly and so they're doing all these things and there is a fallout and some of it's magnetic and there's just amazing videos on that but sometimes it's it's just pollen and and dust and stuff too um but who knows so it, it it oftentimes is a fallout, but I don't know exactly and I can't speak to it. And sometimes it's lithium and sometimes it's manganese and you can see by your mood and whatnot. Like when they zap it with their frequencies to do what they do, stuff does fall out of the sky. So it's important to honor your health. I take these supplements. It's CMOS, Bladderac, and Burdock. It's like the CMOS pill that I get online. And because it's got so many bioavailable minerals, I'm up to speed on my minerals and then I'm not mineral deficient and then absorbing min, um, toxic things from my toxic environment. So when you're mineral deficient, you're trying to get the, the minerals. So you start absorbing radioactive strontium from the chemtrails and you put it in your bones because you need the calcium. But when you honor your health, then you're, up, then you're a step above a lot of other people. And then you can also know that like your blood brain barrier is important. And so less EMF is better or protection with my Sparrow EMF protection clothing, like the silver gear helps to protect from the blood brain barrier breakdown from the 5G and all that because when when the breakdown happens more metals get absorbed. So if we know how to protect ourselves through education and awareness, we can kind of one up on it and not be a victim, right? Yeah, I've got so a couple of points to make. Yeah, a couple of points to make there. A really interesting point from Mark. But a moment ago you said about NASA's involvement in the program. 
and that it's pretty open. Now, the problem I have with that is I'm not contradicting you, but if one of our listeners who's brand new to this concept goes looking on NASA's website or, um, or, or, or anywhere else, really, for any you know, admission by NASA that they're involved in an aerosol spraying program, they won't find it. Because I've oh, looked you have for- to know how to look. So it's the charged aerosol release experiment. The thing about this, I don't know, is it dis- is it disclosure or it's just part of how they do it that's hidden in plain sight? You, you just have to know where to look. So the charged aerosol release experiment, the acronym CARE, even though they don't care, I think NASA likes to just throw it in our faces. A lot of these truths are in our faces because I think they're demonic evil bastards i think they literally want to put us in a frequency of fear because if we think we're being ruled by demonic overlords and we're helpless we're not we're under attack from every angle because they're afraid of us they're worried we're going to realize our true potential but the care program you can just look up nasa care program there it is they have a fleet of drones and planes they don't release their exact budget but they have a 90 million dollar budget per day and they have a fleet of planes and drones and they make noctilucent clouds just look up uh, NASA CARE program, C-A-R-E, Charged Aerosol Release Experiment. So, yeah, it's there. It's interesting how they do it. Um, but that's what's so important because um, if, if it's there and we can bring it forward, but then in our own way and shine the light with people, we can bring the truth forward. Yeah. We just have to bring it in a valid, validating level-headed like how are you going to talk to your grandma about it yeah like just just approach it that way and then feel it out instead of dismantling people and having them not want to hear it because they they all deserve it and they all do need to hear it in the end it's a good um, really good um, approach to it and i think maybe the events of the past three years um the the scam demic of course has certainly i think it's made it some people anyway are certainly more open now to hearing about these things than they would have before. Now, the BBC, in its article, uh, Debunking Chemtrails Conspiracy Series, we can laugh out loud, but the BBC took great um, joy in laughing at people for putting saucers of white vinegar um, outside on their properties. Now, Mark has just asked a question about that. Um, you're listening to Matt Landman, by the way, the journalist, activist and film director. I will put all of the links mentioned by Matt on the podcast notes when this goes online um, in, about a, in, in about a half an hour's time. It's a live radio show, but it will go iTunes, Spotify, the usual places, and all of Matt's links will be on there, okay? Tell me this, Mark says, ask Matt Ritchie about how heating up, burning or sorry, heating up slash burning white vinegar in your yard um, can combat chemtrails in your area. Is that true? Uh, that's very creative and excite and, and interesting, but I don't I don't subscribe to that. I think it's great that people want to do something, but I think t- sharing that again, sharing that with your grandmother or your neighbor, your, or, or even that got big them. enough to go on the news, um, it's probably probably started as a controlled opposition kind of thing. If you look at it through the right lens, it makes us look like nutters. Is it doing something? Maybe it's just a coincidence. Is it doing something? Maybe, 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 maybe. I I highly doubt it. I don't think all of that's getting that high in the sky. I think, honest to God, our human intention, our pineal gland, our spiritual potential, if we really believe that the vinegar is doing something, 
then we are clearing the sky. Like the vinegar might not be doing it, but it might be happening. I think our human potential is way more than, than the vinegar. Um, if people are on the um, fence and don't think that chemtrails are real and they're reading that article and they're laughing at people about the vinegar, sit down and watch the first 15 minutes of Frankenskies, the movie. It starts off in 1920, goes through historical chronology of weather engineering. Goes to 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. By the time it gets to the 50s and 60s, it's self-evident. You don't. Have, it's not narrated by me. It doesn't have any sort of emotional um, heart strings. It's not pushing any narrative or trying to convince you. It's just showing you military stock footage of how they sharpen their tools to get their tool belt to where they're at today. And if they were there in the 20s, you better believe they didn't just throw the information away. They got it sharpened. They sharpened their tools so they could use it against their enemy, and they're using it today all the time. And you did you a brilliant job. Right lens, you did a brilliant job with Frankenskies because that was the, the, the well, the remarkable thing for me when I watched it when you came on back in 2017 originally was I loved that style of presenting it where we're not getting you in there telling us how it's going. The story is told by the people who carried out the agenda. It's um, it's excellent. It's an exceptional film. Anybody listening to this program who believes that it's uh, nonsense, that the idea that um, aerosol spraying is going on, and you're entitled to think it's nonsense. This is a free speech uh, forum. I've said this already tonight. And, and you're welcome to come on and tell me you think it's nonsense. I have no problem with that. But it isn't nonsense. You know, the, the evidence is overwhelming. Um, do go to frankenskies.com. Do watch the film if you haven't. And do share it with others. You know, sit down and watch it with others and say, look, have a look at this, you know. Even from the starting point of, this can't be true, can it? And, and, and have a look. It is true. It's been going on, going on forever. James says, your car, Richie, and mine were covered in sand blowing up from the Sahara. The heat is coming from that area. Look at a pressure chart and it becomes clear. And I think James is probably right. Sahara, that makes sense now. Yes, it would make sense. We had this in Spain. When I lived in Spain, sometimes I would come out in the car. I should have remembered would have been covered in, you know, muddy crap. And I'm like, how the hell has that happened? Um, Sahara, desert winds. That's probably right, James. Yeah, it's uh, coming up for 13 minutes to the top of the hour. We've got Matt for just under 10 minutes. And uh, look, there's been huge interest in this. I could read 50. I could read 100 comments. Um... Uh, Sally's been on to say in Wales this afternoon we had dirty rain car and bike covered with silt but others have been on to say that they've seen their cars and their vehicles sometimes not covered in muddy substance but in white grainy substance which they can't understand now that very well might be coming from the sky mat well what people do is activists take it into their own hands you can't rely on the media you can't rely on scientists or, or the weather channel or anything like that. Everybody's controlled. So people have um, contacted labs and they send their rainwater analyses or, you know, stuff from their cars or whatever they can do, but especially the rainwater, the rain, if you see a weird spray day, what goes up does come down, especially in the rainwater. We're dealing with nanoparticulates. So the accumulation on the car, usually it's going to be probably something else I would imagine, but yeah. not always, you know, there's, um, there's a wild story out of Seattle, Washington, when all this really started going, of globs. Did you ever hear this story, the globs falling from the sky? No, um, no. It's, it's easily looked up, but globs, like, um, uh, what better way to say it, 
like globular, like, you know, goopy globs, <laughs> goopy globs of glop. They fell from the sky and everybody got sick. I think they were experimenting on it. The Air Force always does these experiments. Stuff has fallen from the sky before and people have freaked out and analyzed it, webs and weird things. Um, rainwater analyses especially. So when you start to analyze the rainwater, you start to see trends. And especially there's aluminum, barium, strontium, cadmium, um, lead, mercury, mercury, lithium. There's a researcher, Ann Fillmore, out of the coastal um, United States, Oregon, on the Pacific side. And, she, and when these big plumes come in off the ocean that are obviously suspect, you can see them unraveling from the plains. And they, they're pink. Um, you can test the rainwater. Um, you can test your blood. You can do uh, various means of testing, even air analysis, but that gets a little tricky. But high levels of lithium are showing up. And so it's different things for different people for different times. But if they want to make you agitated, frequency control, especially in conjunction with the chemtrails. So back to the Maui thing, it's like if you lay out metallic particles over a region, right, aluminum, and then you turn up the frequency that you already have 5G towers and smart meters and all this integrated, even the smartphones and stuff – it's literally like putting aluminum in the microwave. This isn't a metaphor. You're putting aluminum in a microwaved area. And so if that's the name of the game to weaponize a neighborhood, it's pretty genius. You know what I mean? They, they lay out the chemtrails, light the fires and go, oh, look, a forest fire. But then they turn up the frequency to the tune that zaps the, the aluminum knowingly. And then that creates a super hot fire that melts cars and does these extreme things that are abnormal, but now not. And we're seeing in forensics and analytics that it's like it doesn't make any sense why things would melt and be like that. And so down the rabbit hole and especially chemtrails, it's important for people to keep an open mind, but also to be grounded in it. So it's it's interesting. It's kind of like a, a little back and forth. Open mind, rabbit hole, grounded, though, in your thinking because it's – the man is out there to get you, right? So they want to control your your thoughts and also your counter thoughts. So if you're breaking away from the official narrative, the powers that be want to control that too. So be wary of what goes viral on TikTok, um, TikTok, right? Of course, and yeah. Know, and know that the frequency in which you reside is so important. So try to think in absolutes. You know chemtrails are real, right? So honor that as a truth. That's a truth, or once you realize it. That truth is a frequency and they're bombarding you with all these lies and you don't want to absorb these lies because you want to resonate and try to be on that high vibration of truth because it's a high vibration where fear and all these other things don't even exist. And when you can honor the vibration of truth and not be like, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that and honor these these definite things like like there's good and evil and chemtrails are real while you're on that frequency of truth and you start to reside on it and really embody it. Other truths become self-evident. Other truths become very, very clear. It's like, oh, there's not a question about fluoride, actually. It's not even up for debate. The smart city stuff and taking away people's freedoms and it's it's tax on the poor. And Maui was obviously a land grab and all these other things. The fire approaching the town and the water being off and the people being helpless, that should be enough to make everyone – question everything but it's not because you go to the official narrative and they're like oh it's because of climate change or something they 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 tell you what you want to hear and then you heard it 
from who? What, some news source that what is owned by the Rothschilds or something? It's like try to grasp where the money's coming from and the control of the narrative and why and what and all this. The, the most important thing for people to grasp is this. You are not a victim. You do not need to be in fear. Yes, you're under attack and it's really weird. Even like your clothing has plastic in it for a reason. They want to keep down your resonance. Your food is being poisoned. Your air, your water, every last bit. And your children want to be turned into robots. But why? Ask yourself why. It's because you're a very powerful spiritual being. Honor that however you want because I know not everyone can resonate with those words. You are powerful and they don't want you to become aware and tuned in so you can wake up everyone around you and the truth will spread like wildfire. They want it all convoluted and dismantled with lies. Okay, because if we can come into understanding, we don't even need the government. <laughs> we don't need this enslavement. We don't need you printing our money. All these things are in a vibration that's coming to earth right now and soon. And they want us to be quelled. Maybe some of this is a little bit too much hippie talk for everybody. No, 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 no. These are themes we, we discuss on this program regularly. We've got um, cool. literally 60 seconds to get out. When... When can, thanks for coming back on today, Matt, Matt. Real pleasure. When can we expect uh, in sixty seconds now, uh, Frankenstein two? When when do you think it'll be available? So for your listeners, my name is Matt Landman. My email is frankenskies.com, frankenskies at gmail.com. Sorry, and in the email, frankenskies.com, you can get a hold of me there. I want to come over and participate in these protests in London and the whole area. We need to protest 15-minute cities. I want to be involved. I want to get footage of me being involved and everyone, and I want to stop this. I want to help with everything, the, re the resistance, the revolution, whatever it is, I want to be over there because this is where it starts. There's other places that are being burned out in British Columbia and Canada that are going to be smart cities too, but it's starting in London and I want to be a part of that resistance and that's going to be how the movie is is created. So until then, the movie's on pause and until we can You're really make a dent over there. So get me involved. I want to be involved. I want to help. And thank you for having me on. It's good to have you, Matt. Actualactivists.com and Spiro, S-P-E-R-O gear.com. I will put the links on uh, the podcast notes a bit later on. Uh, Godspeed to you, mate. Thanks again. And we'll speak again soon, no doubt. Thank you, Matt. Bless you, Richie. Thank you. And bye for now. Matt Landman, live on Thursday's Richie Allen Show. And uh, the time is fast approaching. Uh, five minutes to the top of the air. Just about enough time for me to say goodbye to you. And uh, thank you for listening this week. Thanks for listening today. Thanks, uh, as always, to David Curtin, who came on with me in the first hour. It's been good to be back this week. Uh, I've enjoyed the shows. I will speak to you again on Sunday, if it's your thing. It might not be your thing. But uh, Sunday Morning Melodies live on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time, a completely different programme uh, entirely to the one you've just been listening to. If that's your thing, join me at 10. Uh, the Richie Allen Show will be back this coming Monday at 5 o'clock UK time. In the meantime, uh, closing the programme today with uh, the Stone Roses, would you believe? Any reason in particular? No. It must be some subconscious thing we heard from the Rolling Stones earlier on. And I've uh, just uh, dug out a Stone Roses track. Have a fantastic weekend. Um, it's going to be warm the next two to three days. The weather is going to continue. Uh, very warm here in the UK anyway. It might be a good time to top up on your vitamin D. So why not do that, eh? Speak soon. <laughs> <laughs>